Welcome to Counselor Find, a podcast for counselors past and present, finding their way in faith and current culture. We are your hosts, Shrek and Shopvac, also known as Terry and Zach. Welcome back, and we are here for another week of fun and frolic with our fantastic friends. Glad you're here with us, and let's get going. Uh, wow. So, <laughs> Hi, Zach. Hi. It's so great, isn't it? So extra. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, um, am I? Yeah. No, that's good. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let's get started. We are going to discuss this day. Um, we spent a couple of weeks now talking about church mm. and that was good. Like go to church and where do we go to church and what are we looking for at a church? But I think, um, I guess what I'm wondering is, are we really getting into the the point of, so I'm, th- I'm talking like little C church now, yeah. like the local church, like, well, here, I think I'm going to title this should churches evangelize. Should churches evangelize? I think we're going to talk about more than just that. Okay. I think that's going to be the, the mm. headline. So we can, we can kind of So that's kind of where you that. want to go from there. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'm looking at what the local church should look like and kind of not just an ideal, like we've kind of talked about the idea, but I'm really curious, like, and I know maybe this is the discussion, why you want it to go there. Should the local church be the one where people are coming and hearing the gospel? Is that your responsibility or a church's responsibility or yes, both? Both, in both. my opinion. So both should be sharing the gospel all the time, some of the time. Like, is it only in a program like Alpha that we should be seeing the gospel being shared? Um, There's some good questions. Okay. Let's lay some groundwork for why we're talking about this. Okay. So. One, I think we talked about in past episodes evangelism and discipleship so those two things we want to see what the church's role is in those things and what they actually are because <laughs> maybe we use those words sometimes and don't really know fully what they mean and then i think the second thing um you had that stat that maybe we should double check but i think we're going to go with it for now okay. um <laughs> you're pretty sure it was right okay, is that so yeah, 18 I- to 35 year olds in canada pastors in that age group 60 percent of them said that it is not the church's role to evangelize yeah which is really interesting yeah so i was listening to canadian church leaders podcast this morning and the interviewer is interviewing danielle strickland and he's taking information from this connected generations study that barna's done world vision and barna group worked together and they did I think 18 or 20 countries around the world, they looked at 18 to 35 year olds and they're trying to just figure out, uh, they did the study in 2019. They did it again now in 2021. What was the impact of COVID? Um, We say we're a connected generation and the world is more connected and yet loneliness is at an all time high. So what role does faith play in that? And so Christian and non-Christian do identify as having an active faith or not. Uh, They were finding that, Non-Christians were saying, yeah, we think the church is important. Like 40% of them think the church is good, but they don't actually practice any spirituality. They're just like, yeah, it's a good functional thing. But they also think that the local church is 
detrimental. Almost the same number think that the local church is a negative source to the world. And, and, and you can see that coming out of things like, um, well, just, just all the, the peace and reconciliation studies that have been coming out and the response of society of actually like burning down churches when the study yeah. was released. And even though that's not moving towards reconciliation, all that is a response and it's a negative response to a negative uh, piece of news rather than a positive or proactive response. They, their response was to burn down these churches, which was really ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that doesn't solve this anything. That doesn't fix the problem. Like you can't. So anyways, moving oh, on. All that's to say. You moving asked on. me. So then the 18 to 35 year olds, those yeah. that are committed and those that would be in leadership in church, 60% of them, I think the number was say that the church's role is not evangelism. So that we come to church on Sunday and it's not about the gospel. So what's the, what's the point? Well, see, that's okay. So I'm just going to. Like, let's not, let's not wait around for this. Like, okay. I'm going to hop, hop to it here. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Um, and to answer your question earlier, I do think it's the local church's role to share the gospel every week. Every week we should be sharing the gospel. Yes. So, but a lot of people that I talk to, they want to go to church on Sunday morning because they need teaching yep. or they want to worship yep. together in community. And so that's what the focus of the church has really been, has it not? Mm. Yes. Like, is that not what we're asking of our churches? Is it not also like what we're expecting? Like I go to church on Sunday morning and I, I sit in the pew and I stand up and I sure. sing and I sit down and I listen. I stand up and I sing and I sit down and I listen. And then we sing and then we go home. So here's my question, I guess. If it's not the church's role... Okay, I do think it's both of the church's role and the people in it, members, to evangelize and to share the gospel. Um, but if it's not the church's role and it's only the members, then why would in-depth teaching to its members be a useful way to prepare them for evangelism if it's not a useful method of evangelism? Like... Do you see what I'm saying? I don't understand why, okay, if it's the member's role to evangelize, then why aren't we equipping people to evangelize? Oh, so if, if you're going to evangelize, we need to teach them how to evangelize. Uh, I think uh, in some sense, yes. I think everyone should learn some, some basics around that. Um, so when was the last time that we had a sermon on how to share or a uh, message on how to share your testimony and why that's important? Positive. I've never heard one at church. Okay. So, but then how would you go about that? Um, how would you go about that? Like, I think that like, you're coming to church and you, you know, Jesus. So isn't it just assumed that you're going to tell your friends about Jesus? I think so. And so when you come, we need to learn more about Jesus, not more about how to tell people about Jesus. Yeah, well, that's like the, but we're not learning more about Jesus, right? Like, oh, not really. What are we learning then? I, that's the thing. I don't like, it, that's what I think has always like tripped me up with Sunday sermons is how often they don't relate to Jesus. Okay. So. Um, and uh, I don't think it's like don't far we're doing off. A, let's say we're doing a book study on the book of Nehemiah. Yeah. And so what is the whole point of having that study on Nehemiah? It's so that we can dig into the scripture right. and learn more about 
Nehemiah and his context and how God was moving in his life. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to blur the line. But then we're not teaching about Jesus. I think we're we, not tend, really... we tend to blur the line of like, how do we learn about the Bible and see Jesus in it? And <clears throat> the line between that and learning about the Bible so that we have biblical knowledge, similar to that of which we learn in seminary, etc. You know what I mean? Like, it's a really thin line there. Um, and it's tough because the people who are teaching us have learned a certain way in order to be able to teach us. So it's easy for them to, for pastors to come to their congregation and, and basically reiterate, regurgitate the info that they've learned for years in school. Because like, that seems to be the point of it. If they're going to go to school to learn all this info, wouldn't it be so that they can go and teach it in a more easy to learn way to many other people? Like that makes sense to me. I don't think it's their fault necessarily. Maybe it's deeper than just like our churches. Like maybe it's the whole system of how we need churches. We need pastors who are have gone to seminary, but the whole nature of seminary is that they just learn how to like learn everything about the Bible so that they're like the most biblically sound people and that they could win any argument about the Bible. But then well, that becomes it, the, their that teaching is... then becomes about just like making other people similar to that. But then that doesn't really like help us learn about like how everything relates to Jesus or the gospel or how to t- mm. teach those things. Like, cause there's this sense that we need to be following Jesus, right? Yeah. Like, and Jesus said, I need you to go and share the gospel, share about me. Yeah. I want you to go and make disciples, followers that make disciples, right. That are baptized and mm. that gather together and then they go and make more disciples. Yeah. And so we have to, I think there's a sense that we need to understand what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And what does a disciple look like? And, and then how do we share that we follow Jesus so that other people want to follow Jesus? Yeah. I, I'm being extreme here too. Like right. I, I don't, it's not that I think that no sermons point back to Jesus, like plenty of them do. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> such is the nature of like what they're teaching. So I think, <clears throat> I, I, but I just do think that there should be, I think all of them should. Um, I, I really think that a non-believer should be able to show up on any given Sunday and not be scared away, but be intrigued to learn more. And I think that there's too many sermons that would be more likely to scare somebody away than to pull them in because it's over their head. Do you think then that we've become... So there was a term when I was coming up through high school and my early... Uh, young adult years called seeker sensitive, mm-hmm. right? And it was very much um, uh, uh, a model that Willow Creek took. Sure. They were really seeker sensitive. Yeah, we've gone the other way. And so they were so gentle. They just wanted to make it so it was an experience that was welcoming and people came in and the gospel was presented. And it was very much like, we want you to come and explore and learn who Jesus is. Mm. And it was about that. It wasn't about being offensive. But it also wasn't like you're coming and sitting in a pew and getting preached at and yelled at. Yeah, it is. It is difficult balance because on one hand, you hear the argument of like, you don't want it to be like what I'm saying. You don't want to go over the head of somebody who has no idea what you're talking about, because then why would they want to come back? And at the same time, the other half of that argument is you don't want it to be completely useless for the people who are there because it's the same message they've heard a hundred times. So you want to be able to give them something more. Um, but I think that one is a bit misleading and like, I would rather err on that side of it. I would rather it be 
meh for the people in the congregation and just a reminder, then it'd be not useful for the new people. Because I think uh, so at the end of the day, our main core teaching, like if we're really looking to learn more at the Bible, we shouldn't be relying on a half hour sermon on Sunday mornings for that. Because at the very least, we can probably all agree that like, we're not going to learn something new every single Sunday. So then what? You're relying on half of the Sundays for half an hour. So maybe 15 minutes because that, that's how much is actually new. So you're relying on 30 minutes a month, maybe an hour a month of new information that, to like advance your knowledge about the Bible or the kingdom or Jesus or whoever. Like that's not enough. If that's what you're, if you're looking to, to grow your knowledge of your faith, you're looking to grow your faith at all. You should be doing, you need to be doing more than that. Like that's not right. going to be enough. So the Sunday morning is not where you should be getting your teaching. No, I don't it think so. Or it should be something that, that sparks an interest in you. And you're like, Oh, I need to learn more about this. Yeah. And then with a small group or friends or individuals say, Hey, what do you know about this? And I need to learn about this. And that should be what's driving me. Well, and this is part of the thing is like, so are, are the people at the front of the room pastors or teachers? Because those are very different things. And they've always been called pastors. But I think for a long time now, they've really been teachers. Right. And some of them are called teaching pastors. So that's what that's their job really is. Confusing. To teach. But... <laughs> And but like, but as, this is the thing, like if a pastor is speaking at the front of the room and sharing or doing a sermon, that doesn't necessarily equate to, I need to learn something because this is a teacher, right? Like hearing a 30 minute sermon from a pastor, I think should be different than hearing a 30 minute teaching lesson from a teacher. For, for me, I think what I struggle with that is that I don't, a sermon is a lecture. In, right. in a lot of ways. Like, I don't get a chance to respond. I don't get a chance to interact. I can't put my hand up and say, excuse me, I don't understand that. Can you answer this question? Mm-hmm. Like, can you explain that term or use this word? What does that word mean? There isn't that op- opportunity in a sermon on sure. a Sunday morning. You're not actually, like, for me, I need that interaction to but learn. But that's I where, need... like, the community and, like, your responsibility comes in is where then you have your interaction. Okay. So that's where, like, whether you, at my church it's called um, <clears throat> missional, missional families or whatever yeah. it's called. I don't know. Yeah, Life yeah. groups, you have all these different names for it. Sure. Small group, but Bible like studies, whatever. It could just be your own family at home or whoever you leave the church with or your friends. Like it doesn't, it's just whoever you decide. That's where your responsibility comes in, I think. Like I would much rather see us err on the side of pastors giving us a, I don't want to call it like a counseling session, but that's like more what I mean by them, by a pastor giving a sermon than a teacher giving a lesson at the front of the room. It shouldn't be someone coming up there to, like, educate me. It, I'm okay. I think it should be okay if it's somebody coming up there to remind me of something. To say, hey, like, what's going on in your life? Well, he, they can't ask us that question because it's anywhere from 50 to multiple hundreds of people, right? So what they can do is say, what's going on in my congregation? What's going on in our world? What's going on? What might be... um what might be useful for these people to, to hear about this week is in a counseling session. You would just know. So, so are you, the past, the pastor has to somewhat assume that, and then they talk about it and it's, and it's maybe just to remind so is it social commentary, but it's, it's more than social commentary. I think, I think it's kind of like a counseling session for a group counseling session that like feedback doesn't come to the pastor. Like it's, I think it's it, the pastor is giving us a, a reminder um, of how something 
the Bible should fit into our lives and how um, we are connected to to Jesus through that lesson. And I think like I'm gonna get lost in my words or get caught in them. Like it's sure. too easy okay. to get wordy Sorry. here. But like I just think that the idea of it being a reminder and not something new is okay, and we need to be okay with that. And if we're looking to learn new things, we shouldn't be looking for that on Sunday morning. Because the second we start looking for new and deeper learning on Sunday morning, the problem then becomes, mm-hmm. well, how do we know who we're catering to? Because A, you alienate the non-Christians, and then B, you have a wide range of knowledge in your congregation. So how do you teach on, how can you teach an in-depth thing on X if you need the groundwork for that to be ABC? Right. right. But how right. do we but know, who, know has who has ABC? Well, now we have to go do ABC. But now instantly, that 50% of the population of the church already had ABC are now thinking this is a waste and this isn't new information. So they're already unhappy. So in our attempt to teach new information, we've already, we've already not done that for however many people. And now right. they're leaving right, right, because right. they're not, we're not doing the thing we said we would do. Like it just, it's, it's a never ending snowball battle, whatever tug of war. I don't know how to word it, but problem <laughs> of like, you can't actually always teach new information. So why is that the goal? What you can do is every week remind somebody of something that they need to know. Right. That's, that's good and important. Yeah. And that points them to Jesus. Yes. So I see more and more, um, uh, teaching coming from pastors in the U S and Canada on spiritual rhythms and spiritual disciplines Mm. and spiritual practices. Like here's things we have lost, right? That we're not spending time personally in prayer. Mm. It's like, well, that's not new. But it's like, hey, socially, looking around at our lives, we're not spending enough time in prayer. Yeah. We say we depend on Jesus. We say we depend on God, that we've, we follow Jesus and he's Lord of our lives. But then we never spend any time in prayer actually practicing that. Yeah. So then how do we practice prayer? And it's like, well, I think that's probably really important. It's not new, but it's a reminder. It's a pointing back to God and saying, we need to reconnect with the one who says, he wants us to love him more. Well, how do we love him more mm. if we don't actually spend time with him? At camp, we often talk about how um, kids aren't going to remember most of our, our your Bible lessons, right? Right. I unfortunately think that's pretty true for sermons, that I'm not going to remember most sermons. Um, does it have to be that way? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. But anyway, I'll, I was just getting at this because the one thing I do remember from like the past four months on a Sunday morning is when someone got up to share and the thing that they shared ended up relating to my situation or my life at the time. And so I think like it wasn't something new. It wasn't something I hadn't known before. It wasn't some, you know, deep dive into acts and like chapter one, verse four for an hour. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like it it was just like this guy being like, Hey, like Bible kind of says this and, you know, that this meant this for me and I had to do this. Yeah. And I was like, man, me too. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah. So I, I had some notes down here. I think tra- truth and grace need to come together in that place. We need to be teaching truth, but it doesn't mean we have to be teaching new truths that we have to be constantly pushing to a new place or a new thing. Often, if we are always looking and chasing something new, it's going to lead to heresy, mm. right? We have these... Uh, so you and I have been, and I don't know if anybody else out there is listening to this, uh, Mars Hill, um, what's it called? Rise and fall. Rise and fall of Mars Hill. And it was like a chasing after something new was like, 
there was a, this, but it almost became the cult of a person, right? We were following this person, but it was this movement and it was a church and it was all these things were happening and it was fresh and new and it was exciting and it was taking something old and making it wonderful. And, but man, it was really like, you start to pull back the curtain and say, well, there's a lot of things that weren't right here. And there was, God was moving and it was amazing. And yet there was so many people being hurt by it. And it was as alienating as it was enticing. And it's really sad when you, you see something like that. And as a church, we are like, we want something new. And yet, huh, I'm talking as a person who loves change. There's times when we need to say that the way we're doing this or the way we're approaching something has become stale. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I don't think that's a wrong thing either. Right. It's like we, we're, we have this tension, right, between teaching orthodoxy and also outreach. Mm-hmm. Like we need to do what's right and teach truth, but we also need to teach Jesus and have outreach and make sure that we're, we're available to our neighbors. Yeah. We need a social gathering, right? The community. You talked to us last week, two weeks ago about how important it was that, that you went to this new church because it was your community. You felt connected mm-hmm. and it was wonderful. But, but then we also need like not just social gathering, but social Justice, like we want the church to actually speak to the world around us. My situation, you as a new parent, you as a person leading a ministry, you as a person with friends that are going through trauma and anxiety and depression, the church needs to speak to that. But then, but has the church already spoken to this in the Mm. past? And we just need to be reminded of what Jesus said. Maybe that's the truth of it is that we should be coming together socially to gather because Jesus speaks to this social justice and we need Mm. to remember that, which is teaching so that we can share it with the people around us, which is outreach. And there is a nice vortex that encompasses all of it, Mm -hmm. but we, we tend to focus on one or the other aspect and, and, and it, it shifts and it's like, no, I think evangelism is discipleship and discipleship naturally breeds evangelism. Yeah. But we focus on one or the other. Like we don't know how to share our testimony. Well, that's like your testimony is just your story. So when, like maybe we got to get away from teaching and just start storytelling. Yeah, true. I mean, like, I, again, I'm going to admit I'm being a little extreme, but um <laughs> I just think like in general, Zach, I'm, I'm totally shocked by the fact that you or I could get to one extreme or another. Oh my gosh. I know. Like, so like if I look up, like I'm, I help with PowerPoint sometimes, right. On Sundays. So I can look at yesterday's or whatever, two days ago's that uh, is fantastic days ago's sermon. And I can be like, I am looking at it. I'm reminding, using my gifts reminding myself my of what it was. Cause I kind of forgot. Anyway, <laughs> I'm looking at it and I, I can see, well, I'm not saying that every single sermon needs to be like for the non-Christian or for the non-believer or for the new person. Um, I just think that if that's the perspective or the mindset, maybe that we lean towards instead of the other end of like, someone needs to learn something new or like, I need to teach you this, like a current believer thing more in depth. I think you could take the same <clears throat> slides, the same material from any sermon really, but I, I'm looking at this past Sunday's, and I think you could have a mindset, one that leans towards more of the non-believer and one that leans towards more of the, like, how do I go in depth 
the current believer. And I think that, like, for the most part, a good chunk of the sermon would be the same. But then there would be those little bits and some nuances and some, you know, just a little bit of the perspective difference that I think we really, really, really need to lean towards the non-believer in that area and that we will make sure we don't miss the people who are never going to come back, right? Or who won't ever, who, who might come back but won't if we don't, if we miss them. And people who aren't going to get that new thing, they're going to be okay. They, they have other opportunities for that. Do you think that... It's totally an aside. Do you think that more and more of our neighbors and non-Christian friends are checking out our churches online first? I don't know. Like, do you think they're going to That's gonna, not like, my experience. Like, I don't, like, they just don't, because, but I don't know. I don't really know anyone who's super searching. Like, I, I, I have my Christian friends or, like, my believer friends, and then I have, like, lots of friends who are non-believers, but, like, the non-believers aren't, to my knowledge, searching. Like, I, you know, I talked about it once in a while, but. There's not a ton of interest there. You don't think, but that if they were interested, they would probably just ask to come with me Sunday. on a Sunday. They would maybe. I don't know. I, maybe they would look it up. No one's told me, so I guess I don't know. Right. Right. But that, maybe that. That's maybe the thing is they would. They would just do it in secret and wouldn't tell me because if they told me, then they know I'd invite them and then they would have to deal with that. So maybe they are doing it. I have like. Yeah, maybe. I'm just processing this as you ask me. No, I, I know. I honestly like, don't know. The invitation has ways. to be there, like. I could see you know, it. I could see Joe it being a no. Cindy, you need to know yes. that you're always welcome at our church on Sunday, and we meet Sundays at ten. But I'm not. You know, you're you're invited, but you're not. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a lot easier to I just go on to a website and click play and listen to the sermon and see if you're interested than it is to show up and see it. The problem is, here's the big problem I have with that: is that I don't think you're going to win too many people over by just letting them click play. Right, because Why? I don't think that's the that's the reason to return to church. Like again, because even if we gear a sermon towards the non-believer, I don't think it's going to be the main thing that pulls them back the next week. Yeah, well, it. I think not what the it, content itself. It's right? got to like, come to that whole point that you said. Like maybe the part that needs to be online is that f- that person that stands up in your church and says. This is what I'm going through, yeah. and this is what church means to me, right. and this is why I came to church, because this is what the Bible says that I thought was really relevant to my story this week. Yeah. Thinking and you're like, out, wow, that really resonated in my life, too. Yeah, and that's where I'm just, you know, thought I was thinking out loud when I said that, and I'm thinking out loud again here, that maybe on, maybe there is space for church in media and churches online and digital church, but maybe we're just putting the wrong parts online. Mm. That's what I think. I don't, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know. Like when I, so Jesus taught in stories, right? Mm. He, and he, and when he, he engaged the Pharisees, it was usually in church. You yeah. would go to the synagogue or just after synagogue on a, on a Sabbath and something would happen mm. and they were like, you're breaking the rules. And he's like, yeah, because the rules miss the gospel. Mm-hmm. And he would like those times where you see him actually teaching like point blank, like the, like the scripture says, right. How do I love, who's my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Like, what does the scripture say? Like, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Who's my neighbor. And so he tells a story because now people are watching, mm-hmm. not just the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the people that know, but now that the crowds are watching and they're like, Oh, what's he going to say to this? 
And so he tells this story about a Pharisee and a Sadducee and how they avoided uh, or a priest and a Pharisee and they avoid this person who's been hurt and the Samaritan comes along and helps him. And, and now we have this story. And so it's like, who was your neighbor? Well, go and do likewise. Right. And he's talking to people that know, but he's also aware that the crowd is watching and they don't know. And they're like, that's, that's the love I want. That's the God I want that comes out of his way to find me. Not because I, I know and not because I am there. And so have we missed that in our churches? That idea that here's the story. Paul, when he, he talks about his letters, right? You read through Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and Timothy. Well, not, not so much Timothy and Titus, because those are teaching letters that he's teaching young people. But the ones that are to the churches, even Corinth, um, the Corinthian letters, Thessalonians. He's like, when I came, I didn't teach with eloquence. I didn't come to teach. I taught Jesus crucified and rose that rose from the dead. I taught Jesus and I used the scriptures and I pointed to the scriptures. And when he says scriptures, he means the old Testament. He's not talking about our Bible. He's like, I use the old Testament to show you Jesus. So that what you believed was Jesus. Go back to your first love. Go back to that gospel that someone loves you enough to save you. It's not about, it's not about having a nice pet that loves you and, and you just come home and it, and Jesus comes and jumps in your lap and he's like, oh, I missed you all day. I'm so glad you're home. Like, no, I didn't teach about a pet. I didn't teach about God who's going to crush you and de- destroy you, a vengeful God. I didn't come and teach you about uh, a father figure who, you know, you have your father wounds. And so now all that's put on God. He's like, no, I came and I taught you about Jesus. That the whole Bible points to Jesus, someone who loves you so much that he gave his life for you and loves you so much that he conquered death and rose again so that you would know that love. And I wonder if we have to get back to our first love and that that's yeah. discipleship. Like I love this Jesus. And I want to tell my friends that's evangelism about this Jesus who did all this for me. I don't know, man. I think there's something that as a local church, that's where we got to focus and we get caught up in our structure and we get caught up in our traditions. Yeah. And, and part of that is worship. I love Jesus, so I'm going to sing. I love Jesus, so we have communion. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube. I oh, nice. I watch a lot of content on YouTube. <laughs> but I don't know why I, like, I don't think there's anything holding me back from watching content created by my church on YouTube. What I won't watch is the sermon I just saw three days prior on YouTube. But then what that sermon on YouTube might make me do is not go see it in person because I can just watch it on YouTube. But then I miss out on like the big things of church that I actually benefit from actually going in person. So that's when I think we hit a downward spiral. People are just going to start leaving. Because it's really easy to both watch a YouTube video, but also to just not watch a YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. And no one will know. If you don't come to church for three weeks in a row, people are going to know. Because you're you're or, missing from the community. Yeah, and so that's where <clears throat> it's the others disciples I think we gathering together. We can't put that. That's not the piece that needs to go online. But if the church was creating some of that other content, some of that extra content, if a church is like, hey, we do want to teach and disciple people in a certain way and teach them new things, the digital content's the way to go for that. 
right? Like that's what we're doing. <laughs> so that was like I don't we didn't really realize this till now, but that's what this point of this podcast was. Hey, we teach the counselors while they're in our staff while they're at camp for the few years and two months that they're here. <laughs> but then for the other ten months of the year and then the rest of their lives, we're not any impact on their life. That's and we want to change sucky. That. We want to be part of that. So we're like, yeah. why don't we try this? Right. Right. So and, it's and there's a, <laughs> friends that are counselors that have come and gone and they're friends and we care about them deeply and that community exists. They're just no longer meeting with us in this community. Sure. Yeah. So, so how that's do we connect? where, again, I'm not saying to pat our own back or say we did anything right. It's just a thought. Like hmm. there's no reason the church couldn't do something similar. So you, you've said something here that's really interesting that the local church has to be about evangelism and discipleship, and we've been arguing that, but the, the third point or the third axis or the third part of that is the community, right? Yeah. Again, it comes to community. And, and I, I think when we look at, like a lot of people will go to Acts 2 and they'll say, this is what the church should look like, right? They gathered at the temple and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching uh, what does it say here? Acts 2, 2, 42. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came on upon many, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as has need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I know a lot of people will talk about, we want an Acts 2 church. You know, where we come together at the temple and we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. And that's where they stop. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's what it seems. about the rest of it. That, yeah, we're just going to devote ourselves to teaching. Yeah, like that last part sticked out to me, that people were being saved more and more by the day or is that roughly yeah, what it, roughly day what it day. says day by day more and more saved yeah yeah i don't think most churches could say that that's true but they were could attending they? the temple together and breaking bread in their homes mm, and they received food with gladness and general that. hearts right like they had all things in common they so sold also, their possessions it also alludes to a piece of church that's outside of something like the gathering no it's not it's that it's so, breaking bread in their homes yeah yeah. So it's alluding to a, a community of like this church that's that's outside of the meeting at the temple. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Right. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then further down it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking okay. bread in their homes, they received yeah. their food. So it's like... Either in the temple or in their homes, they met day by day. Right. Not just Sunday morning. They didn't yeah. just come together on Sabbath, on on Shabbat. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. This is this alludes to something that's greater than just the Sunday morning gathering. Yeah. There's a this, Whether it, was it became Saturday their or whatever life. day for them. But like they were disciples. They were followers yes. of the way. Mm-hmm. This is the way. Gosh. Sorry. You just say that. I just said that. So I, but <laughs> I like calling. Sunday morning, the gathering. That's how our church does it, but I really like that name. There's more, even in Acts 2, than to church, than the gathering. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. Food was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Fellowship. 
possessions, like I'm, selling and I mean, caring I, I for each other. I don't actually know this, but I'm pretty confident that's where a lot of citizens' uh, <laughs> pillars are based, based upon. Because the missional family thing was supposed to be a lot about like having food together, so breaking of the bread and in the homes and whatnot and what have you. So that's cool. Um, yeah, so evangelism. Like, what can you... Like, does that mean that you take from that that that's supposed to be the member's job? Is that supposed to be us as people, as part of the church, that we're supposed to be the ones doing all the evangelizing? Or is is the church foundation or body itself supposed to be... It looks like in this that? that they were just so sold out for Jesus mm. that people saw they were different and joined them. Mm-hmm. There isn't like we held a, an alpha or we did a program and then we invited our friends. And it's not that we had such great teaching <laughs> that everybody came to hear what the great teaching was. Right. It says, I don't know, the food and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with the people. Like their neighbors were happy to have them as neighbors. These were happy people. Suffering, they sold their possessions. So they like... It means that if you had stuff, you sold it so that you could help people out. But that requires a real vulnerability of actually sharing with you what my need is. Like they yeah. were, that means they were vulnerable with each other. It's true. And it wasn't like, oh, you hosted last night, so I'll host tonight. It's like, no, nope, they just met together in people's homes. They didn't have to pull out their calendars and figure out their schedule. And like, are we going to your place or my place? And, oh, I have this thing with my kids. And so I can't be there tonight. Um, do yeah, you mind hosting this? So and so can't make it, so we won't have it. We'll check, pick a new date. Yeah, we'll have to pick another date because they're not available that day. And that drives me nuts. It was just like, nope, we just met in each other's homes. Life happened. They just went about being the church, and the world saw them caring for each other. Well, I think there's a sense loving there too each that other. It was a priority. Gathering together, yeah, it was a priority, and they're like, I want to, I want that. How many That's times, what I don't have. How many times have you tried to do a, a similar meeting where you feel like it should be a top priority, but it's definitely not? And it's like, oh, I have this thing that night. I have this thing that night. I have this thing that night. Like, well, maybe those things should be the ones that you're missing for this thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really tough, tough situation, isn't it? I mean, that's a pretty, like, as far as I know, Western culture type issue um, that we tend to book all our moments of the day up full. Yeah, we have a real, yeah, an urgency problem. And we like, like oh, I can do these four things all in one evening. Each thing's going to be one hour long. Some cultures, it would just be like, uh, no, I have this gathering. Um, that's It could take all evening. It could take an hour. I don't know. That's all I'm booking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think we're going to change that. That's a... Super That's deep a cultural. Huge <laughs> cultural. We'll leave that one sinkhole. on the side for now. That's a. That's just a thing you gotta accept. I think. <laughs> it was. It's a really interesting thought to look at and say, "Wow!" Like I know it was really new and it was really passionate, and it's kind of like when you see a new movement or a new church and everyone's like, "Bam!" I'm so into this, and then mm, yeah. after a year they get tired, or after a couple of years they're like, "Oh, it's I'm setting up every Sunday." Mm. because they, it's not like they're welcoming new people in. Passion fades, right? And the passion fades because there's not that new influx or, well, this is my part of the kingdom that I do. Right. And then we don't share it. 
They're not willing to let things go. Like they sold their possessions. Are we willing to let things go for the greater need? Yeah. And are we, are we eating together? Are we stopping to celebrate? Like when you eat together, you'd, you'd laugh and you joke about the day and you say like, Hey, here's the great things that happened today. And here's the things that suck today. And here's, and, and we have that all in common and you devote yourself to just like, well, this is what Jesus would say about that. But we don't take that time to do that. Maybe that's where our local church needs to go. Maybe that's what it means to be a disciple. Are we inviting people in? Are we creating those little movements within our own communities? Mm-hmm. I don't know how we do that best if we don't live it. Like I want my neighbors to see Jesus in my life, that it's important and it impacts and it, it changes who I am. Right. That I can sit down over food with them and talk about the good and the bad. I don't have to have it all together with my neighbors. Yeah. And that's a, that's a tough thing. Like I come together in a small group or a Bible study or do they need to think I have it all together? And am I pretending? Am I willing to be transparent with them? And how does that, how does that change? And maybe that's our evangelism is living transparent lives that let Jesus reflect through it. Yeah. The good and the bad. And maybe that's where our churches need to be like, Hey, this is how, not so much how you tell your testimony, but how you live your story, how you live your life in a way that reflects Jesus, that allows him to shine through in the good and the bad. Not so much about here's how you talk your testimony. And this is, this is how you prepare it. And these are the things you want to highlight. That's important too. And and we can have that conversation so that people are stopping and doing that self-examination is really important. But I think we need to just live our lives uh, in a transparent way. Were I not afraid to confess my sins to one another and to carry each other's burdens? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a, maybe well, that's pushing into a new topic well, of what it, what bit, it means but... to live with spiritual rhythms of, of community and what it means to share those things together in community. I don't Anything know. else you had for today? No, that's all I got. All. I think that's uh I don't know if we actually ever properly explained discipleship or evangelism, but happy with what we did talk about. <laughs> Yeah, I think, to, well, yeah. You had to give How, one one sentence for each, what would it be? Evangelism? Yeah. Evangelism is sharing the good news of Jesus with someone who doesn't know the good news of Jesus. Okay. As a non-believer, I guess. Or a non-believer, right? And, and well, and so, yeah, because you have some people who are very evangelistic about Apple or Toyotas. Sure. They just share the good news about Apple with people, Whatever, yeah. whether you want to hear it or not, they're right. going to tell you about how great Apple is or XYZ, XYZ, thing. not Microsoft usually, but one sentence about evangelism. What would you say? That was evangelism. That was sorry. Discipleship. I meant <laughs> that was uh, discipleship. Uh, discipleship. I think that is, oh, that's a tough one. I think it is learning, learning. I don't know. Maybe not learning, living. <laughs> Uh, living a life that reflects the one you're following. Discipleship. 
So if as a disciple, as a follower, then discipleship is living a life that reflects the one I'm following because I'm, I'm adding to my life the attributes or the characteristics or the things that, um, so the one I'm following. It's kind of like this process, like after we become a believer, it's that process of what happens next, what you're saying, like transformation yeah. and the well, the growing and... I'm sanctified and I'm being sanctified, right? Right. Yes. You know that it's idea that, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm... Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I am a follower of Jesus. Right. And I'm following Jesus. Yeah. That means like I, I've given my life to him. I say I follow him. Yeah. But then I'm following him each day and that... I need to be growing more and more like him. Yeah. Whether that's in righteousness or holiness or obedience or whatever. Committed, but I'm constantly committing. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I, I'm fully committed and, and constantly recommitting my life to yeah. Jesus. Okay. So well, I think it's, that helps, it's living in a way <laughs> that reflects the one I'm following yeah. is discipleship. And then that allows me to, to have people speak into my life. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, here's a disciple that seems to have figured out this aspect of following Jesus. They should speak into my life in a way that reflects that they, they know something that I haven't, or they've practiced something that I've never practiced, or they've, they've gotten better at their practice and I can now understand and learn from them. Mm. Does that make like that? Yeah, that's, that's good. A, that's a good way to, to look touch at on those before. Yeah. Yeah. Close it out. Uh, that's all that's I have for today. You don't have anything else? No, I don't have anything else. That was good. I thought that was a great little conversation. What does it yeah. mean? And, and what are we looking for in our churches? And, and what does it mean to be, you know, that, that we do have to share the good news of Jesus. Tell people that don't follow him, that we follow him. Mm-hmm. And that there's something good in this. Hey, if in the meantime you're struggling with knowing how to share Jesus, um, maybe try sharing this podcast. That might be a good little warm up. Um, All right, nice. <laughs> but for real, <laughs> it would be nice if you told more people about the podcast. Um, it is growing, and it's good to see lots of listeners. Thank you for listening. But uh, we do want to see if we can get to more people to listen and reach more people and figure out who those people are. So we know what things we should talk about. So uh, we're looking at doing some different things coming up soon, I guess. Um, Maybe some more like current event type talks and some interviews um, and mix in a few different things there. So stay tuned for that. Um, Yeah. Cool. I think we had the first few weeks nailed down with church stuff, but um, if you have any thoughts as to, what you want to hear about next, please let us know. Oh yeah. If there's a topic you want to dig into, let us know. Um, otherwise you're just going to get the topics that are, that we're wrestling with and digging yeah. into on our own. That's right. Which maybe you're fine with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else, Terry? Nope. That was fantastic. Thanks. Sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's great. Great. Love being here with you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
Thank you.